الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد All praises to Allah All praises to Allah All praises to Allah who guided us to Islam and to Iman and to His Mubarak house on this Mubarak hour of this Mubarak day and we were not to be guided was it not that Allah Ta'ala had guided us O oh Allah, to you is praise as is commensurate with the majesty of your countenance and the greatness of your authority. O oh Allah, we do not limit you with any praise we can come up with ourselves. Rather, we admit that you are the only one who knows the true extent of your praiseworthiness. And may the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon his servant and messenger, our master Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May the peace and blessings of Allah ta'ala be upon him and upon his uh, companions and upon his pure wives and upon his noble family and progeny and upon all of those who follow all of their way until the day of judgment. Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, a command, he says, Udhulu fi kafatan wa la shaytan. He says, enter into submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely, all of you together completely, holistically, totally into submission with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and don't do what the opposite of that is, which is what? To follow the footfalls of shaitan, to follow the footsteps in the track of shaitan. The entire message of Islam is built on the concept of what? Of tawheed. Tawheed means to make all different things into one thing. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, مَنْ جَعَلَ الْهُمُومَ هَمَّنْ وَاحِدًا هَمَّ آخِرَتِهِ كَفَاهُ اللَّهُ بِهِ هُمُومَ الدُّنْيَاهُ وَكَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ The one who turns all of his worries and all of his concerns into one worry and one concern, which is the worry and the concern of the akhirah, of the hereafter, by the nobility, the blessings of the nobility of that act, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do what for that person? Allah ta'ala will take care of all of the other worries and all of the other concerns. The one who turns all of their worries and all of their concerns into one worry and one concern. The worry and the concern of the akhirah, of the day of judgment, the day that a person will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be judged for every single thing that he did. Literally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, Kitabun Marqum, right? Like an audit, there's going to be an audit of a person's deed, deeds and every line will be numbered. There will be a complete and accurate uh, account from which nothing will be, nothing will be hidden, nothing will be obscured. The person who prepares for that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of all of their other worries and all of their other concerns. So the tawheed is not only to say that there is one Allah. This is the highest branch of this tawheed. The highest branch is to what? To testify that there's no God except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That there's no one worthy of worship except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it permeates, this unity permeates the entire message. Both at its core and also at its periphery. Both in its roots and also in the branches through which it spreads. Udkhulu fi silmi kafatan. Enter into the submission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Together, all of you, without exception, wholly and completely. And don't follow the footfalls and the footsteps of shaitan, which is what? If you look at the siyak, the order of the ayah, it would indicate that you should do the first thing and you shouldn't do the opposite of it. 
So if the first thing is what? To enter into Islam completely. What's the opposite of? Entering into Islam completely. Entering into Islam partially. Entering into Islam partially. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُ خُطُوَاتُ shaitan, Which is d- described as what? As following the footsteps of shaitan. As following what? The footsteps of shaitan, following the path that's chalked out by shaitan. This is a very important understanding. Why? Because the, the submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that is demanded completely. There is an ayah of Surah Al-Ma'idah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, Ya ayyuha rasulu, balligh ma unzila ilayka min rabbika, fa illam taf'al fama ballagta risalatahu, wa fi qira'atil fama ballagta risalatihi. Siyuti rahimahullah tabarak wa ta'ala says the reason that there's the two ojuh, the two different permissible ways of reading the word risalat, risalatahu and risalatihi in the different qira'at and the different canonical readings of the Qur'an is what? Is one is in the singular, one is in the plural. Oh messenger, oh my messenger, oh my messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. Oh my messenger, make reach this message that was given to you. Make it reach its intended, uh, intended audience. And no, if you don't do so, then you haven't made this uh, message reach, uh, uh, this, these messages reach the audience, or you haven't made this message reach the audience. The reason that both of those wujuh, that it can be understood both in the singular and the plural, the mufassirin, the ulama of tafsir that interpret the Qur'an, they say the reason that both of the meanings are permissible here is what? Because the one who hid part of the message is like the one who hid the entire message. The one who hid part of the message is like the one who hid the entire message. The one who says, I believe in the entire Qur'an except for one ayah of it, that person hasn't believed in any of the Qur'an. The person who says, I practice the entire deen, but I don't practice one part of it. I, I don't feel the need to practice one part of it. And this is a very important distinction to make. One thing is that people, there are parts of the deen that we fall short in practicing them. Do you understand what I'm saying? For example, a person is in such a situation that, uh, you know, they had struggled for a long time to find a job, and they have many children, and they don't have a whole lot of skills, and they don't have a whole lot of training, and the boss is, you know, uh, going, you know, the boss is not a very understanding person, and he's requiring you to come to work on, on a particular day. Can we, Barakallahu Fikum, can we do this later? Akramakumullah, can we do the sign, sign checks later, inshallah? This is a Mubarak hour, these things should be done beforehand. Inshallah, I, you're lucky that you have a very loud khatib today, inshallah, everyone will be able to hear. So one thing you fall short sometimes in doing something, you're trying to come to Jumu'ah, and you know, your boss is giving you a hard time, and you don't have a lot of options. You're constrained, your back is to the wall. And so you, you're very sad, you know, in front of Allah Ta'ala, that you wanted to come to the Friday prayer, but it's just not happening today. That's one thing, right? The other, the other scenario that I'm, to, that's not what I'm talking about. The other scenario is which is, which is, which is what I am talking about is what the person thinks like, you know, I pray and fast anyway, and I go to Jummah most weeks, I don't have to go this week. It's not a big deal. The first person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the sincerity of their intention, maybe Allah ta'ala will actually write for them the reward of having attended. Maybe there are some people who are actually attending the Jum'ah, but their heart is not in the masjid, their heart is somewhere else, you know, through Facebook and Twitter, and uh, you know, at the party that they're going to go to in the evening, that person is like physically present, spiritually absent. Maybe there's a person who wishes more than anything that they could have been in the house of Allah Ta'ala in this Mubarak hour. Maybe Allah Ta'ala will write the reward for them. What I'm talking about is what? The feeling inside that this is a, this part of the deen, I don't have to do this. This part of the deen, I don't have to do this. 
The person who feels like they can pick and choose which part of Islam they, they should be following, which part of Islam they shouldn't be following, that person it's feared in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it should be feared in front of Allah ta'ala, that their iman itself will not be accepted by him jalla wa'ala on that day. And I want to caution people, this doesn't mean that I think brother Fulan doesn't take Jum'ah seriously and so he's not a Muslim anymore. That's to declare a person a Muslim and non-Muslim, this is a legal procedure that's left to the to the to the qadi, the judges and the muftis and the, the people who are in official positions of authority from amongst amongst the ulama. And even then it's it's a legal issue for legal purposes. Why? Because when a person dies, should they be buried in the Muslim cemetery? How should their should their uh, Inheritance be distributed according to the law of Islam or to the law of a different millah if they belong to a different millah. Those are legal issues. Everything, all of these things, at the end of the day, they're not your, with, uh, for, with regards to other people, they're not your business and they're not my business. They're between that person and between Allah Ta'ala, even if they're relatives or friends or whatever. It's between them and Allah Ta'ala. But when we have this reminder on Friday, I first remind myself, and then we all remind one another that this is a reality. If we see this issue inside of our hearts, that there is some part of the deen, regardless of our ability or our uh, 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 you know, efficiency in practicing it, if there's some part of the deen we don't think that is, it's important, or we don't think that it's something I have to do, or we dismiss it, or we don't give it its due importance, at the very least inside of our hearts, then this is described as what? As following the footfalls of shaitan. And you have seen that Islam is not, this is a part of our aqidah. This Islam that came on the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is not the only divinely revealed religion that exists in the world. We believe it's the only divinely revealed religion that exists in the world that Allah Ta'ala will accept from us. But there are other religions, right? The Torah came down on Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam. There may be some changes in it, but the Yahud still carry the, 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 the copy of the Torah with them. There is if not the whole Torah is in there, large parts of it, and there's some parts in there. The teachings of Sayyidina Isa these are also from Wahi. They're also from what? They're also from Wahi, they're also from Revelation. There may be some parts of it that we say that are changed or, or, or corrupted later on. But there are also large parts of it, you can read it yourself, you know this is something that could only come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam actually told this ummah, حَدِّذَ عَنْ بَنِ إِسْرَائِيلَ وَلَا حَرَجْ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ You are allowed to tell the stories that come in the Torah and in the, in the, in the, in the uh, Gospels and things like that. وَلَا حَرَجْ You are allowed to tell those stories. And the, the ulama say the meaning of this is what? If something in there is a, in direct conflict with the Qur'an, we say this part is wrong, it, it was changed later. If there's something that is in direct corroboration with the Qur'an, we say this part is correct. And whatever is in the middle, we say that we don't know if it's 100% right or 100% wrong, but the idea is that there's still some benefit in it. There's still some benefit in those stories. Much of the tafsir of the Qur'an comes from the details that are transmitted by the people of those other adiyan. Why is it in this age that we live in, why is it in this age that we live in, Islam is considered to be old and backward and, and antiquated and not compatible with the modern world? First of all, when someone says something, just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. When people say Islam is old and antiquated and backwards, right? What did the, the mushrikeen of Quraysh say? Right? They are such people, Allah Ta'ala says, when our uh, verses are read to them, they say what? These are the tales of the ancients. Now who's saying that? Arabia in the time of Rasulullah Wasallam was a place where there was easily less than 1% literacy. Easily. 
like a fraction of a percent literacy. It's said that Rasulullah when Iqra was revealed, there are only 10 men of Quraysh who knew how to read and write. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. There are very few people. There are people who live essentially in the Stone Age. There are people who live essentially in the Stone Age. And what are they saying? Someone's reminding them about Allah Ta'ala. They say, oh, these are the tales of the ancients. What is it? Are those modern people? Do they have Facebook and Twitter? MashaAllah, there are people in the first stuff of the, 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 the masjid, MashaAllah, who are very religious people and very high-tech people. What is it that, that, that you're somehow backwards and those people weren't? This is all propaganda. This is nonsense. People call each other names and whatnot. This is not, this is not what it is. Why is it that Islam is considered, you know, medieval and ancient and backwards? Why? Because, by and large, I'm not saying individuals, but I'm saying as communities, okay? The trap that shaitan has gotten people into, not just as Muslims, but people of different religions, is that he, he has got them into this trap of thinking that the same Allah Ta'ala, the same Allah who created the heavens and the earth from nothing, the same Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لا تسقط من ورقة إلا يعلمها ولا حبة في ظلمات الأرض ولا رطب ولا حبة في ظلمات الأرض ولا رطب ولا يابس إلا في كتاب مبين that a, a, a leaf doesn't fall in uh, 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 a leaf doesn't fall in a, in a forest except for he knows it's falling. How many leaves are there in the forest, right? From all the trees in the world, the leaf doesn't fall except for he knows about it. And a seed is not planted into the darkness of the earth, except for he knows about it. And there's nothing wet or dry, there's nothing living or dead, except for all of it has been recorded in a manifest book. Why is it that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say that we're going to separate him and put him just on Sunday or on Friday or on Saturday? And then we're going to go to school from 8 in the morning till 3 o'clock and not talk about him. And we're going to go to work from 9 to 5 and not talk about him, not acknowledge his existence. And we're not going to make mention of him when it comes time to, uh, of, of joy. And we're not going to mention him when it's time for seriousness. And we're not going to mention him when it's time to laugh. And it's, we're not going to mention him when it's time to cry. Why is it that there's some part that he has a right and there's another part that he doesn't have a right in? This is unfortunately... People had the understanding that it's impossible that anything cannot be connected with Him, Jalla wa Ala. Rationally, it makes sense. Rationally, it makes sense. The universe is not created from nothing. When's the last time you were standing next to a table and an iPhone 8 appeared in front of you? Or any iPhone? Or really anything? A piece of paper just appeared right in front? Nothing. It doesn't happen. Why? If someone were to advocate that that's possible, you'd say this is completely irrational. Something happened to make that, that, that object appear. So if the paper is, a, is it bigger than the universe or smaller than it? It's a subset of the universe, right? And if it appearing is irrational, then the thing that's greater than it just appearing out of nowhere is even more irrational. By a priori analogy, right? This is logic, this is not, I'm not this is not an ayah of the Qur'an or a hadith. This is just the simple logic that uh, Muslim and, and, and non-Muslim agree on, right? Why is it that, that the people have been able to segment in their mind that this part belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this part doesn't belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This part belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this part doesn't belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the gifts of Islam is what? And this is a sign of the divine protection of the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That even though there are other, there are other groups, large groups, some of them, many of them, their origin is through divine revelation and divine inspiration as well. But because the protection is not there, they have left this understanding. Maybe there are certain individuals that still hold on to it. But as societies, they have left this understanding. 
As societies, they have left this understanding. Muslims still, we have this understanding that a person can stand in front of the congregation on Friday. Perhaps someone nobody has ever seen before, maybe someone nobody will ever see again. And he will remind the people, and they will take the reminder that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's haq pervades all things, His right pervades all things. All things, not just when you're in sajda and your face is in the ground, but when you're withdrawing money at the bank, and when you're paying your rent for your place of uh, uh, a residence, or you're paying your mortgage, or you're buying a house or selling it, and when you're eating a burger, there's so many ahkam that are connected with that. Where did the meat come from? Where did the money to buy it come from? What are you going to do with the energy after it? Is the workers getting paid properly? All of these things, there's so many rights of Allah Ta'ala that are connected with every single part of it. This is the divine protection of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And there's still khair, there's still goodness in the, in the ummah of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. As long as this reminder is said, and as long as this reminder is accepted when it's said. This comes to what? This comes to the uh, issue of, okay, what are we supposed to do with this reminder now? The reminder is very simple and it's a very humble reminder that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only limited to your acts of worship. It is not only limited to what? To the ibadah, to the, uh, uh, to the prayer five times a day, into fasting in the month of Ramadan, and to, uh, uh, you know, saying a certain dua when you enter your home or leave it, or when you enter the bathroom or leave it, or, you know, to make tawaf around the house of Allah Ta'ala seven times rather than six or rather than eight. Those things are a great part of the deen. But it pervades all these different circles. One is your ibadat, one is your mu'amalat, your financial transactions. Whether or not we're able to do them correctly or not, at least inside of our heart, we have to understand that Allah Ta'ala has a haq in our money and how we spend our money, how we deal with our money, how we deal with our material property. He has a right. We cannot say that, that, that no, this is mine, I do whatever I want with it. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave it to us to enjoy. We enjoy it just because He gave it to us to enjoy. And had He said some part of it, you're not allowed to enjoy, we're not allowed to enjoy it. Your zakat money, you're not allowed to enjoy it. If you eat it, Allah Ta'ala, He promises you in His book that that metal will be melted and your the jibahuhum uh, junubuhum, their foreheads and their their sides will be branded with the, the scorching metal that, of the gold and the silver, right? The copper pennies and the nickel and the dimes and the quarters that a person uh, uh, spent that Allah Ta'ala told them that you have to give it in zakat, you didn't give it in zakat. Allah Ta'ala threatens the, the, the Muslims for misusing those things. He has a haq in all of those things. So we have our ibadat, we have our mu'amalat, our financial transactions. How sad is it? How sad is it? There are so many things that financially we can fix for ourselves and fix for our ummah. And we didn't get together and do it because we don't trust one another. People say, Shaykh, you know, I heard it's permissible to get a house on the mortgage for your first house, this, that, and then. Okay, those things may be true, they may not be true. Allah, Allah knows best. The Jum'ah uh, Khutbah is not a place to discuss fiqhi differences of opinion. So I'm not saying anything at this time in this place regarding that. But how sad is it? What is taqwa? The fear of Allah Ta'ala should cause a man or cause a, a woman or cause a person to what? To look at several options and see which one is most pleasing to Allah or at least furthest from Allah Ta'ala's anger. And to choose that and to prioritize over something else. If 10 people get together and uh, you know pool $10,000 each, then one of them buys a house in cash. It may not be the house that you you know you wanted to buy. It may not be the house that your husband or your wife you know dreamed about all the time. But it's a good place to start. We could have done things like that. We can still do things like that. 
There are solutions. I'm not the most intelligent. Someone says, Shaykh, the solution you have has XYZ problems with it. I'm not like a financial genius. I'm not like the Warren Buffett with a beard. I'm not the, there's, you guys are so much more intelligent and creative than I am. You literally drive the engine of the economy of this country. The average Muslim household makes $10,000, a full $10,000 more than the median uh, household in America. You people all are so intelligent. Allah gave you so much education and so much creativity and so much hard work. I have a hard time feeling and understanding why is it that if we don't want to make a solution, we can't make solutions for it. The Cleveland Clinic and the, these medical centers are all driven with Muslims. If Muslims make their own uh, uh, collective uh, uh, mutual malpractice insurance, save so much money. What is a mutual insurance? Insurance is insurance as a, a means, a vehicle of making profit. It's not permissible in our sharia. We have health insurance and car insurance because the government forces us to have it. So the sin is on them, it's not on us. right? But the idea is that what? All these doctors, they could have gotten together and done these things. And they said, well, I'm a doctor. I'm, I'm, like, you know, I'm taking people's appendixes out all day. How am I going to make a mutual insurance? We have people also in the ummah that are in finance and all of these things. means what? You say your prayers and you remember Allah Ta'ala through your prayers. And it also means what? Your financial transactions, you remember Allah Ta'ala through them. Your mu'asharat, the way that you get married, the way that you raise your children, the way that you uh, deal with your brothers and sisters, your uncles and your aunts, the way elders deal with younger people, the way that, that, that people from the same race deal with each other, the way people from different races deal with each other, the way that uh, you know all parts of society, the social relationships we have with one another, this is also based on what? This is based on the deen of Allah Ta'ala. This is another mode of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. This is another mode of the worship of Allah Ta'ala. Just like if a man says, I'm not going to pray anymore. If a man says, this elder is walking down the street. Even if the person is not a Muslim. They're burdened with, with groceries or carrying something. And you have the time. It's not like you're getting late for work. You have the time to stop and help that person. Say, you know what? It's not my problem. It's not your problem. Keep driving if you want to. But don't say it's not my problem. Keep driving if you want to. Don't say it's not your problem. Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa commanded the, the, the strong to help the weak. And the rich to help the poor. And the people who have something to give to the people who don't have. And the people who have extra to give the ones who are in need. Don't say it's not my problem. It's all of our problem. If I'm going to do something about it, I'm not going to do something about it. That's the topic of another khutbah we can talk about. You don't say it's not my problem. You drive through, you drive through the hood on your way to work and on your way back home. And you see there's problems over there. You see that people have needs, people have issues that are not being fulfilled. It's not, don't say it's not our problem. Wallahi, it's our problem. If the least we can do is go and vote for something that's going to help them out. The least we can do is sign a petition. The least we can do is, you know, do something or another that's going to help these people. What is it? It's our problem. We should, we have to accept that. What is, what is aqidah, right? Aqidah is the, the Islam of the heart. We, the first three things we mentioned are the Islam of the limbs. What is the Islam of the heart? The Islam of the heart is to accept that, that the things that Allah and His Rasul wasallam said are correct, are correct. What does that mean? Now if I say, for example, I don't believe that a man has a right to marry another man, or a woman has a right to marry another woman. This is not a popular thing to say in the society that we're in anymore. It's something that happened right before our eyes. We didn't even know how this thing flipped. But it happened, it's done. Do we have the right to change the deen or do we have the right to say, well, you know, uh, this is not popular anymore, so we're going to change how we conceive, we feel these things. It's not your responsibility or my responsibility to change the uh, uh, law of, uh, of, of the land, by the way. 
If you're in a position to influence it, maybe Allah will ask you about it, even that there's some discussion regarding it. Why? Because if people are marrying, a man is marrying a woman, or a man is marrying a man, what's the first thing Allah Ta'ala will ask every person about on the Day of Judgment? Did you believe in him or did you not believe in him? That's a qualitatively, it's an issue that's in a qualitatively higher order of importance. But even after that, Right? You and I are not in a position to change laws or to elect a president or not elect a president or elect a, you know, someone in Congress or not. We're not in a position to do those things right now. Allah Ta'ala is not going to ask you. He's going to ask you what? Did you pray your prayers on time? Were you good to your parents? He's not going to ask you if you're not able to do so, why didn't you change the law of the land? So why is it that we in our hearts though, you know, so I'm not even asking a person to do anything. Why is it though that we in our hearts, oftentimes many people from our community, they're like, yeah, this is something that, you know, I believe in marriage equality, no one has a right to tell somebody, you know, how to live their life. Allah Ta'ala has a right to tell everybody. Allah Ta'ala has a right to tell everybody whatever He wishes. He has a right to tell anybody whatever He wishes, whenever He wishes. And there's no one, nothing that can arrogate that right. Allah Ta'ala, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the one about whom Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, If there were to be a prophet after me, it would have been Umar. If Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that about any of us in this masjid, watch, we would walk around in the masjid like a peacock. And you know, someone says something, uh, something to us we don't like, we'd be like, Astaghfirullah, you don't even believe in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't you know what he said about me, you know? He used to, he used to, he used to, he used to think sometimes, he said, I fear that if only one person goes into the hellfire, it would have been me. This is the one who was there with the Rasul ﷺ in Uhud, and he was there at Badr, and he was there in the Fath of Makkah Mukarramah. He's the one who uh, Rasulullah ﷺ married his daughter. He's the one who was Amir al-Mu'mineen. He was all of these things. He was all of these things. Yet he still had fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding his deeds that perhaps they're not acceptable to him. To Allah. Why is it that we can think that there are certain things that like, you know, that whatever, it's not part of the deen, but like it's not really a big deal, and we can just change uh, uh, our feelings and our hearts regarding these things the way we wish to. There are so many things, there are so many things in the heart. Islam, you may not have the ability to implement them right now. You are not responsible to implement them on your limbs. You are not going to be asked, why is there not a, a unified uh, state in which like the sacred law of Islam is implemented? No one will ask you. Allah won't ask you about that. Why? Because you weren't able to do any of it. Allah will not ask you why there's garbage in the street, uh, uh, except for the part that you can clean up. Allah Ta'ala will not ask you, why is, uh, uh, you know, uh, this country is crashed and burned, and this country is going through difficult... Why? If you had the ability to do something about it, go do something about it. If you don't, right, He's not going to ask you about those things. But in your heart, you have to understand whenever something bad is happening, you feel bad about it. When something good is happening, you feel good about it. The difference between what's good and bad also has to do with what? It has to do with the mind and heart and it involves learning knowledge. And learning knowledge involves what? Having the people of knowledge. You have to have the people of knowledge there. Their shadow, as long as it's over your head, you're safe. Once it's gone, everything becomes a free-for-all. This is also part of the deen. This is also part of the deen. Equality is under in, in front of the law. Equality is not in rank in front of Allah Ta'ala. Right? There are people who are ulama in this deen. Allah Ta'ala said, right? فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of remembrance, the people of knowledge if you don't know. Rasulullah said, الْعُلَمَاء وَرَثَةُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ That the ulama are the heirs of the prophets. They are literally the representatives of the anbiya in this ummah. 
You cannot say, well, who does he think he is to tell me and whatever, my opinion is this, and this person's from some backward other country and he doesn't know what I'm going through. No. You know, one scholar you may disagree with, and that's fine, but as a class of people, you have to have this understanding inside of your heart. It's part of the deen, just like praying and fasting is, that the people of knowledge, these people represent the knowledge of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When they some, say something and I feel something different, I will, I will, I will prioritize what they say over what I say. Again, if a particular alim, you don't see that, that that person is saying something right, that's why. But go to someone else. As a class of people, the barakah is with those people. That to know what's right and wrong, you have to go to the people who know what's right and wrong and learn it from them. Islam means to submit. Islam doesn't mean that everyone do it yourself. And what is the, 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 uh, the Islam, Iman, and then the last thing is what? Ihsan. To worship Allah Ta'ala as if you see Him, and if you don't see Him, to know that He sees you. That's the that's like the toughest that's the toughest thing to do because you can have the entire everything you have the right knowledge you have the right actions financial transactions everything your family set up real good you're praying uh, five times a day and nuffles left and right and Hajj every year and fasting Monday and Thursday but what inside of your heart you're not you're you're not allowed to do it for anyone except for for the sake of Allah Taala you're not allowed to look at another person or want them to look at you. You're not allowed to do it because you know if you pray in the first stuff of the masjid, everyone's going to say you're pious. Everyone is going to say you're pious. I'll be the first one to say, mashallah, brother, praise in the first stuff of the masjid, must be a pious person. You're not allowed to enjoy that. You're not allowed to savor that flavor. You're not allowed to enjoy that. You're not allowed to desire that I'm going to come to the masjid. Why? Because it's going to make me politically more, uh, have greater stature in the masjid. You're not allowed to uh, come to the masjid because you want to be a leader. You're not allowed to come to the masjid because it's going to help you get married or your children get married. You're not allowed to come to the masjid for any of these reasons. The only one reason you're allowed to come to the masjid is what? It's because this is what Allah Ta'ala wants from me and I'm doing it for His sake. That's the hardest thing. That is the hardest and is the most difficult thing to do. It is the most difficult thing to do. It is the most difficult thing to do. It's part of the deen a person has to do it. If, if it wasn't possible, and if it wasn't necessary, Rasulullah wasallam wouldn't have made us do it. There are many things that are good for you. He didn't make you do it. If I ran a mile a day, it would probably be very good for me. But it's not farther. Why? Because it's not what Allah Ta'ala said that this is necessary for you to receive salvation on the Day of Judgment. But guess what? To worship Allah Ta'ala as if you see Him and if you can't at least to know that He sees you, this is part of the necessity of a person's salvation on the Day of Judgment. This is from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. There was a time in the Ummah of people they heard, they said, if Rasulullah ﷺ said it, it's true. Now people say, well, I don't know about hadith, you know. Okay, fine. Here, you want a dalil from the Qur'an? It's this, they both come from the same source anyway, but you want a dalil from the Qur'an so that your heart is at ease? Allah Ta'ala describes the Yawm Al-Qiyamah as what? Yawm la yanfa'u malun wala banuna illa manat Allah bi salim. Day of judgment is a day that doesn't, that, that neither will wealth benefit a person. Money. Property. Facebook followers. Retweets. None of these things. Instagram, Snapchat, none of these things are gonna, your followers and your fame and celebrity on YouTube, none of these things are gonna help you. لا مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ Neither will wealth benefit you on that day, nor will progeny benefit you on that day. Nothing will benefit you on that day except for the one who comes to Allah with a salim heart. What does salim mean? It means free from blemish. Free from blemish. 
free from hatred, free from envy, free from ostentation and showing off to other people, free from doing something that should have been done for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, for your own sake, or for the sake of some wealth, or for the sake of some dunya, or to make friends with someone, or to become enemies with somebody, except for to be friends with Allah and to be enemies with His enemies. This is what it means, udkhulu fi silmi kafatan. This is what it means to enter into Islam in its totality. A person may say, oh my goodness, this is like this khutbah has gone over time, and uh, uh, this is so much stuff, how, are, how am I going to do it? The first step to doing all of these things is at, at least inside of your heart to what? Accept that this is right, I need to do this. Right? You have Shaykh Musa with you, you have your other local ulama with you, they can help you parse out and prioritize and do these things step by step. If a person never accepts inside of their heart that this is the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the success of Islam, more than the political success of Islam, or more than the financial success of the Islam, or more than like the masjid, you know, being able to build his expansion, inshallah, give generously to the masjid whenever they have an expansion, inshallah, right? More, more than that, what is the success of Islam? Even la qadr Allah, Allah protect this masjid, this house of Allah Ta'ala, even if it were burned to the ground. The success of Islam is still intact. Why? Because the success, what is the locus of that success? Yom al-Qiyamah when everybody who's sitting in this gathering, myself and all of yourselves, by Allah Ta'ala's fadl and everyone who says, La ilaha illallah, the day that they enter into Jannah, then none of these other things will matter. And that will only be affected by what? By pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not by, 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 by winning in the dunya. And that will only happen by what? By entering into this submission to Allah Ta'ala completely. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Walillahi alhamdu wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ajma'in. Qala rabbu tabarak wa ta'ala fi kitabihi al-kareem. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu attaqullaha haqqa tuqatihi wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun. Wa amarakum udkhulu fi silmi kafatan wa la tattabi'u khutuwat al-shaytan. Wa sallakallahu al-azim wa sallaka rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullaha li wa lakum nisa'ir al-muslimina. Fa astaghfiruhu innahu huwa al-ghafur al-rahim.